When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. Powered by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango and Jamie Rivers are uh, our boy, our homie, our friend Jeff Burton uh, is out this week getting some rest. So we want to uh, send our love to him. And Jeff, I hope you're listening to this, and I hope you're kicking your feet up and relaxing as best you can. Yeah, all you listeners too. If you if you follow Jeff on socials, just shoot him a note, man. Just wish him well. He's he's battling away here as best he can. But you know, every now and then you get a little tuckered out from all this crap. So uh, wish him well, please. He, he'd love to hear from you. I I have uh, you know I I always tell you guys that I look forward to doing this podcast. It's a lot of fun. I learn a lot. I don't know that I'm looking forward to it today because I feel like everything that I have to say is somehow in some way, um, you know, negative or, you know, n- n- not great. And I don't even kind of know where to start. So I'm Johnny, just. do me a favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know that blues fans everywhere who listen to this podcast, or even if they don't, and they should, but they are frustrated with a lot of different things. You need to be the voice of the people. They are counting on you today. Okay, well then, let's start with Kadri. Let's let's start with this absolute piece of work of a human being. Okay, I would. We have not spoken at all, even in the halls, since the Bennington Kadri thing. Okay, Jamie, mm-hmm. former NHLer, mm-hmm. was that a dirty play to you? Absolutely. Yes. No, 100%. He knew what he was doing with Rosen, body position, the whole thing. And his whole spiel of, oh, he was pushed. If you watch the video, it's impossible to come from behind an individual, hit them, and then feel like you've been pushed into the goalie, and then not to even tap the brakes at all. Um, Yeah, it was on purpose. Now, I, I cannot sit here and say it was a purposeful hit to hurt Jordan Bennington, Mm -hmm. but I can say with almost 100% certainty that he meant to run into Bennington, and so be it. Let's get him off his game. I know this because we used to do it. Mm -hmm. We used to do it. Jeff Cortnall is down in St. Louis Blues folklore because of running Jamie Storr in the L.A. Kings series. We were down 3-0 in the game. We were up 3-0 in the series. We were in L.A., and he said, uh, hey, guys, be ready to have my back. I'm going to dump the puck in. We're like, oh, okay. He dumps it in, and he went and hammered Jamie Storr. And they took a five-minute major on him. We scored four power play goals, and the rest is history. So I'm accustomed to seeing it happen. We all remember Nick Kiprios accidentally on purpose falling on Grant Fuhrer. He denied it for years. He came clean, I think, just in this last year. For some reason, he decided to say, I could have avoided him. Nazem Kadri, same thing. He had body position on Callie Rosen. He he was reaching for the puck initially, but then I think when he missed the puck, he just said, screw it, I'm going into the goalie here. And unfortunately, Jordan Bennington got really hurt on that play. And you could tell when he got up, 
Uh, his leg was kind of wobbly. He tried. He went down. He buckled. It's a bad moment for the Blues. And to your point, yeah, Kadri did it. He did it on purpose. All right. So I've got a couple of layers here with this Kadri thing. I can see I, the, the smoke coming out of your ears. Dude, I, I, I'm so thankful that we get to talk today. This is like a therapy session. <laughs> like, like, I knew you would require it. Dude, dude. It, so, okay. So first thing on Kadri. Well, you know, we, you and I have had this back and forth a couple of times about Brad Marchand and about Tom Wilson and about guys that play very, very much on the line, but you would still want to have them on your team, all right? Kadri, to me, appears to be a guy that I would never want on my team for any reason at all, but what I don't understand, Jamie, is a guy like this that continues to have the reputation of literally injuring players, I don't understand why this is okay. And also, and I know that this isn't politically correct what I'm about to say, I don't understand why a Blues player hasn't tried to put him in the 300 section since that happened with Bennington. I understand you've got the game and you want to win and all of that stuff, man. But at the end of the day, that's your boy. And I feel like the response at this point has been timid at best. And I know, again, you're riding a fine line there because you want to win a game. But, dude, that's your ride or die. That's your homie. And I feel like this team, man, I don't know. I, I... I have a lot of feelings. Talk about Kadri, right. him in the league, and all of that crap. Okay, one thing that uh, that sucks is he's a really good hockey player. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so what happened last night is a perfect example of that. You know, you uh, you don't watch this guy or you don't pay attention to him for the right reasons. And he scores three goals. He had over eighty points this season with the Colorado Avalanche. He's a good defensive forward. He plays in the penalty kill. So if we just isolate this individual as a hockey player. He's a good player, and that's what really pisses everybody off because he can hurt you mm-hmm. in two different ways. One, he is a cheap shot type guy who will go after people, who has done it before. It's one of the reasons that Toronto Maple Leafs kind of cut ties with him because otherwise, why would you get rid of such a good player? Mm-hmm. He cost the team a couple playoff runs because of the way he handled certain situations, but he also is a guy that can put the puck in the net for you. So I, I don't. I personally don't like him as a player. I'm not sure, given the opportunity, I'm not sure I would want him on my team. Um, but I don't know enough about him as a away-from-the-rink type guy, so I'm not going to paint him with a brush of he's a bad dude. Can't I, I haven't heard that. Right. I don't know that to be true. I do know that he is not afraid to not just ride the line, cross the line when it comes to injuring opponents. To your point about the retribution, your ride or die, and your homie and all that, let me let me bounce a question back to you. Would you feel better? Now, today's different because we lost last night and now we're down 3-1. to one. But had I asked you this question yesterday, if I said, Donnie, would you rather get your pound of flesh and then lose the series, but you got Kadri? Man, do we get him. We're golfing. We're on the seventh hole right now, but boys, that was good, wasn't it? Or would you rather have a handshake line at the end of the series where you can shake his hand, look him in the eye, and know not only did we beat you, you son of a gun, we just wait till next year. Yeah, you're right. I know. I know. I know you're right. I, I, but I'm not holier than thou here, okay? Because nope. trust me, the first thing I wanted to do, I was standing there with uh, Andy Strickland, John Kelly, and Alexa Dad, And I was standing there, and I was furious. I was like, 
I said, guess what? Heads up, Darcy Kemper. Is what I would do. I would run him right through the end boards. Because guess what? We've got Ville Husso. They've got Pavel Frank. Who? Who? What? Your chances are over. That's the mentality of the 90s player in me. Mm-hmm. And that's the mentality of you know the old school. And it's probably the thoughts of a lot of our fans, the Blues fans. Is, it's an eye for an eye, you son of a, you know what? Yep. I don't blame the fan base. I want, I want revenge too. I want Jordan Bennington avenged. But man, I want to beat him. Yep. Worse than anything. I want to beat him worse than anything because that's the ultimate go screw you. Yep. You know? Yeah, I I get it. Now, one thing I I do want to bring up about this Kadri thing, and I was called a grandstander yesterday on uh, on Twitter because of it. Thank you, Twitter. But the attacks um, on Kadri and his family by Blues fans are effing disgusting. Yeah. They're backwards. They, I mean, nice job, guys. You pissed him off, and look what he freaking did last night. I am, I, listen, I know that hate exists in the world. I, I'm not oblivious to it. I understand it. But it's a friggin' hockey game. Yeah. It's a friggin' hockey game. And I, I, I don't like the guy at all. Like, at all. If he walked in here right now, I would swear at him. But when you bring up his ethnicity and his race and his family and all this stuff, you completely freaking lose me, man. And it makes me sad and it makes me ashamed. You know what I'm saying? That dude should not have to have a cop on the bench because of what happened. Yeah. No. And here's the thing with me is I've always said what happens on the ice stays on the ice. Meaning that Nazem Kadri hurt Jordan Bennington on the ice. This is a problem that happened on the ice. Players and people need to take care of it on the ice. When it spills out into regular world... it gets blurry, right? Because you're, are you really mad at Nazem Kadri? And then, so what if you like want something ill for him? It has nothing to do. Like his personal life has nothing to do with what happened on the ice. Yeah. So, but here's where I'm irked. Okay, is I I just finished doing an interview for TSN Radio up in Toronto, and of course they're asking questions about Blues fans, and I was like, we're pump the brakes right now. So Blues fans are some of the best in the world. I'm not even fluffing it here at all. If not for Blues fans, I wouldn't have a job in radio. I wouldn't have a job in uh, TV with Bally Sports because they'd be like, who cares about this guy? I wasn't a Hall of Famer. But Blues fans are so incredible. They love their players. Look at what we had in 2019. Look at what we've had for forever, since 1967. I, this fan base is incredible. And I feel like I'm part of this fan base now that I'm not playing anymore. Please do not let a handful of jackoffs ruin it for everybody else. And I think that I said that on the interview. I'm like, you cannot paint the Blues fan base with a brush of what these donkeys have been writing to Nazem Kadri. Who knows if they're even Blues fans? Right. In, in today's world of social media, they could just, this is an opportunity to send a death threat or a racial slur to somebody on social media this is my chance to get my hatred out and they may not even be blues fans so that's the one thing is i think it's awful that he had to deal with this off the ice i think it's crazy that he had to have his own personal security guard um but i also don't feel like all of the blues fans should be punished for having um a few people that are donkeys 100 percent. but i feel like it makes us all look bad like the normal ones i feel like it makes us you know, look bad as well because now the story is him. You, you know, like like it gave him the extra fuel to the fire to bring it last night, man. Like it was just, ugh, 
That was one of the worst games that I've watched from start to finish. You, know, you just got that feeling in your gut. Like, this Donnie, is... it wasn't even close, man. No. I was so... T- like, I thought we were going to have this galvanizing team effort. Yeah. Okay. And speaking of that, you want to talk about something else I'm mad about. It's the fact that I don't see anybody besides the first freaking line showing up to this damn thing. Is it the first line or is it Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron? You know what? It's Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. You're right, man. I I don't understand where Jordan Cairo is gone. I don't understand my boy Pavel Buchnevich. I have been nothing but drooling over this dude all year. Robert Thomas. I I just... I don't understand. And then on top of it, last night, there were times where, man, like, not even just last night, but like our dude Vladdy, 91, like, he doesn't look like he wants to get engaged in the fight either. And I do not understand why post-game press conference last night, David Perron, when talking about the, the penalty that he had on Kadri that led to the double power play and whatever, where he talks about he was looking for a charge. We'd only had three or four shots on goal, blah, 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 blah. Why the hell you need a charge, man? You shouldn't have to do that to your play. I just, I'm so frustrated. Well, but Donnie, hold on now. Hold on. I'm going to defend David Perron. No, no, no. This isn't a slam on Perron. Okay. It's a It's a slam on the fact that he feels like he has to do that to get the other players going. He shouldn't have to do that. Those guys should be motivated by what happened. Well, they should have been motivated from puck drop. The period. And right. They weren't. It, right. The shots were 19-5 to at one point for the Avalanche. And oddly enough, you were up one nothing. Unbelievably, unbelievably. And so, people today want to sit here and, and blame Billy Huso. Look, would he like at least one of those goals back? Probably. But had it not been for Billy Huso in that first period in in a half, like oh my god, like it may have been terrible. Like anybody who wants to blame Bennington for Game One, which I know nobody's doing that, but I guess more. I guess more accurately would be, can you imagine if Bennington didn't have 51 saves in game one? And, you know, the outcome would have been crazy. Mm -hmm. So you're right, guys. I don't know why they're not fired up. To me, right now, as of last night, and I can't speak for the future of this series, they looked to be tired. They looked like a tired group. I think that Minnesota Wild series took a lot more out of this team than they even realized. And I think that fan base... We even realized because that was a big, heavy team. They played a very, very uh, hard game. And I think that without the depth scoring coming through, it's just been too much. Yeah. It's just been too much. And then the injuries to Tory Krug, um, you know, Marco Scandella, you know, whether he's your he's your guy or not, doesn't matter. It's an extra body that could be available. Yeah. Um, you know, and Jordan Bennington, that injury now, it's like this team has just been taxed tremendously with having to overcome things and, uh, it's never too much because I played on a team here in St. Louis in 1998. 99? 98? I thought it was 99. 99. We played the LA Kings. Or, no, sorry, 98 we played the Kings. 99 we played the Phoenix Coyotes. We were down 3-1. to one. V- Very similar. We started on the road against the Coyotes. We split there. We ended up going down 3-1, headed back to Phoenix, just like the Blues are headed back to Colorado. We stole one there. And then we said if we could win one at home, we could win the series. And we did. We came back. We won two games in a row in overtime. We went back, won in double overtime. Grant Fuhr was incredible. Pierre Turgeon deflects the puck, and the rest is history. So it's not impossible. Now, that that Phoenix Coyotes team, they had Keith Kachuk. They had Jeremy Roenick. They had Dallas Drake. They had a lot of really good players. I don't know if they had quite as many great players as the Avalanche do. 
Um, but they did have Nikolai Habibulin, who was a goalie, was much better than Darcy Kemper. So I don't think the Blues have tested Kemper enough. It, that, that was going to be one of my questions today, man. Is, is what do you? How do you view Kemper's play during this series? Because it seems like he's made the timely save when he's needed to. But I don't think anything spectacular. And the Blues sure the hell haven't put the fire. Haven't been, you know, firing on him all the time either. Yeah, he's a first save goalie. So everything we did with Mark Andre Fleury, we needed to repeat in this series, and we haven't. No. Nope. And there's times where. A you know, perfect example is last night, Jordan Kyrou's coming up the ice full speed. He has an opportunity. He crosses the blue line. He's got the defenseman kind of flat-footed. The play isn't there for him to stick handle around the D. He just wasn't going to happen. But if he fires a quick shot, like low, and continues to go to the net, that puck is hitting Kemper. It's going to come right back to him, and he's going to get a chance to score a goal. There's many times where we have bad angles, where we're passing up shots. And I know the, the mentality of this team has been quality over quantity. I get it, but the the quality opportunities aren't presenting themselves. The Avalanche are doing a good job of taking away the middle of the ice, so you got to throw some quantity in there. Throw some wasters on net and get some bodies to the net. Watch the games, man. If you haven't seen some of the games so far, go back and watch them, but pay attention to the rest of the series. Almost every puck that hits Kemper is an adventure afterwards, and now it's up to your team to capitalize on that adventure rather than the Colorado Avalanche just taking that puck and going back the other way. You need bodies in front of the net. Man, I tell you, I think the thing that's so frustrating, one of the many things that's so frustrating, is that, you know, man, if the Blues play their best game and they lose to Colorado, then, you know, man, you got beat by the better team. It happens. Like, hats off, you do. But these cats, have the Blues have not played their best game even even close to it, and it's so frustrating. One thing I wanted to ask about Krug, does his absence maybe have to do with the lack of scoring from Thomas and, and those guys? Does that have anything to well, do with that at does, all? of course it does, because Tory Krug is he's a great— such a puck mover. Well, yeah, he's a great outlet passer, right? So from the defensive zone, we, like, we love to praise Nick Letty. He's fantastic at zone exits and transition game because he always seems to find the right guy that's open. Tory Krug is very much that way. A lot of the transition that the Blues, you know, push up the ice comes from Tory Krug, Justin Falk, Nick Letty, Colton Pareko. You're missing that guy. You just are. And you're missing his power play presence. As good as Scott Perunovich has done, he's not Tory Krug. He's just not. And Tory Krug has been right to the finish line. We played him. He played for the Boston Bruins, and he was a big factor in that whole playoff run for the Bruins right to the very end. Even in Game 7, he was there. He's a thorn in our side. So we know that he's got that drive. We know he's got that competitiveness to him. So Tory Krug is a big loss for the St. Louis Blues. And you know when you, when you look at how valuable guys are that are injured right now. You've got the best goalie in the NHL as far as I'm concerned, Jordan Bennington during this playoff run. Now Vasilevsky's been pretty darn good in Tampa too. Pretty okay. I said maybe I shouldn't overlook that. Maybe <laughs> the best goalie in the Western Conference. Let's go with that one. Sure. Jordan Bennington. <laughs> Um, and he's out of the series now. A guy that can steal games for you, literally. And now you're missing arguably one of the best power play defensemen and defensemen overall. You're that's a two huge pieces, man. I mean, it just starts to. I mean, it just starts to add up to things that you cannot overcome. Donnie, I don't like your attitude right now. <laughs> I understand. Well, you're definitely not going to like what I'm going to say next. Oh, I'm, no. I'm positive of it. Uh-oh. but And I know that you're going to tell me that I'm crazy, and I'm completely fine with it, I and, I deserve, are. and I deserve all of the, the, the whatever you throw my way. 
Don't in say wa- it. In watch- don't say it. Don't say what? I know what you're about to say. Go ahead. I just don't think Colorado's that good. I don't think that they're I don't think that they're gonna win the cup. I think Tampa Bay could beat them. I think Calgary could beat them. I I I just don't see that I am not blown away by this team like I thought that I would be. They're very good. And like you said from the beginning of the series, McCarr, ridiculous. But dude, come on. We should absolutely at least be tied with these cats. For the Darcy Kemper factor alone, I just don't think that I think they're very good, but I think they can be beaten. They can be, but let's let's really dive into this, okay? That's how good our St. Louis Blues team is, okay? That's how hard they compete. And they haven't played their A game for most of the series. They've had one game where it all came together and we saw the result. Let's not discredit how hard our team plays, okay? And I say that because Colorado is an absolute juggernaut. When you look at their team on paper and you watch how fast they are and how they move the puck and how they absolutely annihilated the Predators and they play the Blues and it's not so easy for them. I think that if they beat the Blues, they go on to the Stanley Cup final. I don't see Calgary or Edmonton being any kind of an obstacle for them. Mm -hmm. They don't play tough enough defensively to impact the Colorado Avalanche. And I said this this morning on the radio in Toronto, was Nathan McKinnon hasn't scored a goal in this series. He's been not irrelevant because he's relevant. Look, he, he does a lot out there. This will be his coming out party as a an elite player if they beat the Blues. He will look back on this series having faced arguably one of the best defensive forwards in the game, Ryan O'Reilly, and this will be his moment of like where, okay, now I understand what it takes to win. Now I understand how guys become great, mm-hmm. and it will forever change him because that's how hard the Blues play. That's how hard Ryan O'Reilly plays, the fact that, this will change the the trajectory of Nathan McKinnon's career if they beat the Blues. Right, I want to ask you one thing real quick um, uh, concerning that Calgary-Edmonton series before we go back to the Blues for a second. But I, I, I obviously do not understand NHL rules by any stretch of the imagination. But the other night... <laughs> Who does at this point? <laughs> but, dude, but the other night, you know, Milan Lucic you know, ran into uh, to, to Smith, the goaltender, mm-hmm. for, for Edmonton. Was there a penalty on that play? Yeah, there was. I mean, you got to judge the temperature of the game there too. Calgary is down what four nothing or four to one at the time, third period. Milan Lucic, big tough guy. Mike Smith is out wandering around, and you know Luch does hit the brakes. He doesn't really want to hit him, but then Mike Smith kind of turns, and then once he does hit him, he kind of buries him a little bit. I think it's the right call. If I'm a referee, I'm like, you know what? Before this thing gets out of hand, like, think about this. You put Lucic in the box for two minutes, let's say. He comes back out. What do you think happens now? <laughs> He's going to be looking for somebody. Or somebody's looking for him. Right. Or somebody's like, some kind of craziness is going to happen. So as a referee, um, although you're taught to just call the game by the book, I get it. You have to have some common sense, too. You look at the time left in the game. You look at the scoreboard. You look at the individuals. You give them a five in a game. You're done with it. You wash your hands. You say, he's out. The temperature should come down a little bit now. If they want to get after it next game, so be it. But they have some time to cool down a little bit and talk about things. I think it was the right call. Is is Tampa doing what Tampa does to be back in the finals and maybe three-peat? Yeah. Dude. I can't believe what I'm watching. Dude, it's unbelievable. Vasilevsky, just two minutes ago, I didn't even give this guy credit. (laughs) Then I caught myself, thank God. He gave up three goals. 
Three goals in, in, the in an entire series <laughs> against a Florida Panther team, which I think they were the highest scoring team in the league. And, yeah, and President's Trophy President's Trophy's won it, but I think they had the most goals scored overall. And Vasilevsky and the Tampa Bay Lightning credit this team because John Cooper, man, has he got buy-in from those guys. And Steven Stamkos, uh, people are around the team are comparing him to Steve Eiserman when it comes to leadership. Mm-hmm. That's a freaking, I mean... Dude, you talk about a massive compliment. I, absolutely. I want to ask about John Cooper. It's, it's, I'm so glad you brought him up. So he did not, and I understand that, you know, for awards and things, it's very tough. And if you are a coach of the year candidate, a lot of times it's because you brought a team that was crappy last year and you brought him back up to the top. But, man, you've got John Cooper, and you said the right words. Buy-in mm-hmm. from that star-laden team. And they, they just keep winning and keep winning and keep figuring out ways. That dude does not get enough credit for being a great head coach. No, he doesn't. Um, because they are so good, it's like it's taken for granted. This is always the biggest question for me is, you know, the chicken or the egg type thing, right? So is it the team or is it the coach? Does the team make the coach great or does the coach make the team great? In this particular circumstance, this is John Cooper who had great players, Patrice, not Patrice, um, Julian Brisebois and Steve Eiserman, by the way. Steve Eiserman, half of that roster were draft picks or trades that he orchestrated. And Julian Brisebois has since tweaked things and done a great job, and they've gone back to back. He was provided with a great roster, but not a team. Look at the, look at the hiccups they had along the way. Look at the, the they lost out to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they, they just were falling short. They were that team that will never be type mm-hmm. thing. And then something changed and now they're the team that can't be beat and so that's a coach and the players creating their culture their identity and i i I honestly can't believe what i'm watching it's incredible they got stars steven stamkos they were up by like four goals or three goals in one game and he's laying out blocking shots with like under three minutes to go i mean you don't have to be doing that but again that's what steve eiserman did i remember watching steve as a teammate and then also playing against him, Al McKinnis would drop to, for like a slap shot and Steve Eisenman would lay down on the ice and block it. No, thank you. I'm like, this is their top score. What the hell is he doing? Well, little did I know he was creating a winning environment, which obviously the Red Wings went on to win a lot of games and what forced three Stanley Cups in a very short period of time. And that's why is they had all-star players. They had guys that were great leaders and they had good coaching. And so this is what's happening in Tampa right why, now. Why did Rick Bonus leave in Dallas? I don't know. I think I don't know if he left or if he was just like, hey, we're probably going to look in a different direction mm-hmm. as far as a head coach is concerned. Um, so instead of like making it a big deal, maybe you just walk away. Maybe you pick a different team. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't have any information to it. No way, Jim Montgomery gets that old job back. No, I don't think they revisit that. Right. Although I think they'd like to. Um, but I just the, the visual parts of it. Jim Nill is a very by-the-book guy. He was the assistant GM in Detroit when I was there, and he was there through that whole amazing run of the Red Wings that they had. He's a very, like, black-and-white, straight-arrow guy. He played in St. Louis here, married a St. Louis woman. Nill, Jim Nill's an awesome individual, but he wouldn't revisit that. Mm-hmm. It's just probably, in his opinion, it's not worth the aggravation. I think Jim Montgomery is worth the aggravation, but I understand from a um, from a media standpoint or publicity standpoint how maybe that wouldn't be appealing to the Dallas Stars. Yeah, I get that. Well, 
I, I would love to say that after our talk, Jamie, that I feel better, but I don't. Uh, oh, look, here's the thing. I'm it's, just bummed out, man. I mean, that's tough, Donnie. That, that's all three that to is. one to one of the best teams on paper that have been assembled in the last decade. Yeah. Yeah. It, this is, it looks insurmountable for sure. But as cliche as this is, the Blues have to go out tomorrow night and focus on winning the first shift, then focus on winning the first period, then focus on winning the second period, and just continue that way. They have to look at it as if it takes us eight periods of hockey to win a hockey game, we're going to do it. And then we're going to scratch and claw. We're going to first shift again the next game. Like They have to look at it. If you look at it as, oh, my God, we got to beat the Avalanche three in a row, you're screwed. Right. You'll be in your own head. It, it's, it's human nature. So Craig Berube... The coaching staff and the leadership group of that team of the St. Louis Blues, they've got to do a great job of smoking mirrors here. You know, to pay no attention to what's going on over here. <laughs> right. The fact that you're down three to one the series. But let's focus on the fact that, man, you just had a great shift. You shut down Nathan McKinnon. Hey, great shot on net. Great scoring chance, Barbie. Like, this is what you're going to have to try and do. <sighs> I know, Donnie. But you just get it back to St. Louis and you never know. Never know. You that's get it what, back here for game we six. We did it in 99, know. and that's what we did, is focus on just getting it back to the home game. And it ended up working out for us because in your, if you win that game, if you squeak one out in Colorado and you win the home game, all the pressure now is on the avalanche. Mm-hmm. They're going home to a fan base that's nervous. Uh, the players are nervous. Everything is like if they blew a 3-1 lead, and you're playing with house money at that point, and usually you're the team with momentum. So... It's imperative that the Blues obviously win the next game. It goes without saying, or their right. season's over. Uh, but if they do win that next game, they can create momentum with it being a home game for game six. I'm just going to try to not take sports so seriously. It's not going to work. <laughs> no, Donnie, we love you this But I'm going gonna, gonna to try. Like, I was just so, I was so disappointed. Like, like, at one point during the first period last night, um, I was, I could feel the temperature rising in my face. <laughs> and so I leaned to Mary and I said, I'm going to go watch the game downstairs. And she said, okay, honey, do you need anything? And I was like, no, but you might just want to keep the kids away from the basement. Honey, should I get your helmet and mouth guard? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it just, you know, man, it's it, again, it just goes back to the frustration of the cadre and then the blues not playing their best. And now you're wondering if injuries can catch up. And then truthfully, man, it just because I love these dudes so much and I, I don't want the hockey season to be over. That's really what it is. I know. And this is why I said earlier, blues fans are the greatest, man. There's a lot of people like you out there today that are driving around and are feeling the same way. So it's it's it sucks, but it's awesome that we have that kind of fandom. Yeah, it, it, it is. And it's also, too, you know, this is the price that you pay for the, the 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 amazing wins. Your Stanley Cup. I mean, you know what I mean? This is this is this is part of the process. The highs and lows. Absolutely. It is the Last Minute Blues podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jamie Rivers for our homeboy, Jeff Burton. It is the Last Minute Blues podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. And let's go, Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals.